The Knicks will get a second kiss from Rose. They have acquired former NBA MVP Derek Rose from the Pistons as he rejoins his old coach. We'll chat with the post Mark Berman about the trade and what it means for Emmanuel quickly and the backcourt. We'll also be joined by the radio play-by-play voice of the Knicks, Ed Cohen. All that more is next on a Welcome Back to New York City D-Rose edition of Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome the Junkyard, Noah Williams. You'll hear our producer, Jake, chime, uh, chime in from time to time as well. New episodes of the podcast drop every Tuesday afternoon. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets wherever you get your podcast, but please rate us five stars write a nice review on apple Podcasts. it takes like what five seconds or something come on help us out follow us on twitter at sal underscore lakata and at junkyard dog jw the radio voice of the knicks ed cohen and the new york post mark berman going to join us a little bit later on in the show jyd we begin with the big news of the trade everybody's talking about the new york knicks acquired derrick rose as he will begin his second stint with the New York Knicks, hopefully this time a little better. He gets reunited with Tom Thibodeau. Everybody wants to know how is it going to impact the minutes of Emmanuel quickly. Do you see this being a problem here for the Knicks' young star point guard with Derrick Rose now being in the mix? Sal, let's let's look at this, man. A Rose is still a Rose. That's the bottom line. I think that this guy has been – he he has had his stint. When I say he's had his stint, I mean – his NBA career has been one of a great story, you know, from going from MVP mm. to injury to coming back to having a 50-point game to, you know, and really accepting a role as, you know, person, a starter and a star coming off the bench and helping teams from Minnesota to Detroit. I think this is the perfect marriage now. He gets to team up with his former coach, who knows him, who's seen what he does. The Knicks get another closer, right, to help close out games. But I don't think this is going to impair Quigley because Quigley is going to be the future. Yeah. I mean, Derek is going to be a good mentor to this kid. If, 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 I, if I were to look at it from a sense of, you know, you have point forward and, you know, you know, you know and Julius Randle and, Fourth and, and fourth quarter is our is sort of our pet peeve. That's our nemesis. That's where we need to be able to get that snap and get that momentum. And having a guy like Derek to take some of the pressure off of the RJ Barrett's and off of Julius, I think is only going to help the Knicks. Yeah. I think it's going to get us does two at I think two, because you're looking at two to three more wins. That's what we need. 
And that will be that will be the difference of being a 500 team. The Knicks right now sitting at 11 and 14, ninth in the Eastern Conference. Look, I like the trade. He's a good player. The Knicks need more good players, and I don't think the Knicks aren't dumb enough to sit Emmanuel quickly for Derrick Rose. I mean, maybe give him a rest or just have another option if Quickly's having an off night or R.J. Barrett, the way you saw against Miami on Sunday, where Barrett was benched in that third quarter and didn't come back. The Knicks could have used another score. Maybe Austin Rivers gets bumped, and I know Rivers has had some moments, but he's way too inconsistent so this will help them but I do worry about a couple of different things number one the impact that another alpha male coming in in Derrick Rose because he's a big name you mentioned it former MVP he's an alpha male and this is clearly Julius Randle's team I mean he's been an all-star he dominates the team he is the number one leader now you have a guy even coming off the bench in limited action potentially you have Derrick Rose though who commands that respect he is a big name what type of impact do you think that has on Randall and his uh, less on the court, but more his mentality as far as it being his team, JYD? I think that, you know, the good thing about the pandemic, right? You don't have the fans. You don't have the sense of the real iconic epicenter of basketball, New York feel, which takes a little less pressure off of that, that alpha mentality. If you, if you kind of get my drift, like it's sort of like one of those things where, you know, the crowd, the 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 fans, the atmosphere, the community all feed the alpha. I've seen it. I mean, I was on a team with, with you know, Stephon Marbury, Allen Houston. You had a young Eddie Curry coming in. You had Kurt Thomas. You had Tim Thomas. I mean, talk about alphas. Hmm. We had them. <laughs> I mean, we had dogs like – yeah, 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 yeah. Like, right. so I know how the fans and everybody kind of feeds into that because you'd have one guy having a good game. Okay, well, the next game, this guy got to have his good game. Or the next game, oh, uh, uh, now it's his turn. He's got to have his good game. So it's one of those things where without that same kind of pressure, I feel like this could gel. It could work because at the end of the day, here's a guy that's coming in on, he's coming off of a team that was last in the Eastern Conference. The Detroit Pistons are last. It's not like he was traded from, you know, the number one team. He's coming in with the sense of, hey, there's a chance I can push to help this team win to get into that that eighth or seventh spot in the playoffs. But at the same time, I was on a team and I we were losing. So that's the way I kind of, you know, I kind of chop it up in the in the JYD, you know, gumbo plate. Sal, it, t- it took a while. We got an Eddie Curry reference on the Big Apple. Oh, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, I totally forgot about Eddie Curry, and I wish I did until you just mentioned him, JYD. You kept bringing him uh, Eddie Curry. I totally forgot about he even existed. And he was an alpha male, Eddie Curry. doesn't seem anything Eddie like Eddie Curry, right? man. I mean, you know, Jamal Crawford. I mean, the – the, the the Bentleys and the and the and the Phantom Phantoms with the drivers was pulling up and everybody was trying to figure out which car was whose. You mentioned Derek Rose there, you know, coming over a second time. I think one of the key parts is he actually wants to be here. So he's coming from a losing team, as you mentioned with the Pistons, but he actually wants to be in New York. How about the idea though, JYD too, of Tibbs having his guys, right? As a former, you know, as a player on that team who maybe isn't a Tibbs guy. Does that bother you or bother some of your teammates potentially thinking, oh, he brings in this guy, Taj Gibson, is going to take away minutes from me. Now he's bringing in his other former guy, and Derrick Rose is going to take minutes away from me potentially. What's the feel from the lesser guys maybe that might lose out on some minutes for 
a coach who's bringing in his favorite players. Hey, I can tell you this. As a guy that was traded from Chicago Bulls to New York with my former coach, Lenny Wilkins, right? So I know I got I got thrown into that mix because Lenny wanted to bring in some of his guys, me and Antonio Davis. Like, you know, so bringing in his guys. Like, so I, I definitely can understand that feeling. And it, it's it's really about players picking up the identity of the coach. That's how you end up bonding with 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 a coach and 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 coaches wanting to get those players is because of the relationship, the trust. And when you go through 82 game seasons and you you know, you see a guy season after season, you've worked with them, there's a comfortableness there. You know, that's why a Taj Gibson is important. Does Taj play, you know, huge minutes? No, but he's that steady veteran that he can trust because you got to have that preacher in the locker room. You got to have that guy you can look at and say, hey, talk to Quigley, talk to talk to Julius, talk to this guy. And I think that's what's going to help the Knicks. I think that's what, that's what Tibbs was really looking for in a leadership role. And, and you, you know why he loves Rose. I mean, you watch the guy play, man, in his – at his peak, when he was one of the MVP, if he didn't get hurt, and, and Thibodeau has referenced this, uh, that Bulls team could have won the championship. He was nasty, D. Rose. As ferocious a player as I can remember seeing, attacking the rim, putting the ball on the floor, just relentless. Such a shame that his career got altered the way that it did due to injury. You know, well, I mean, you're talking about, it could again, could have been a, a champion, JYD. Oh, man. I mean, he was iconic. And the things that he could do, the excitement that he brought to the game. I mean, you know, LeBron going up against D. Rose was popcorn made for TV basketball where you were just like, who is going to win? And and that that that's what Derrick Rose represented before his injury. And yes, I agree. It was just tragic in terms of that. But from the story perspective of him being able to come back and still contribute and still be a person that's mentioned is is just a testament to his fortitude and his uh, his work ethic. And these guys, Sal, they're winners. This is the thing. This, they're winners. The Tibbs-Rose connection is winners. 62 wins in their first season in 2010-2011. They won 50 again twice. They made the playoffs every single year, and they made the semifinals. And remember, those were those LeBron Heat teams, so they were going up against Goliath. I mean, they didn't really have a shot, and they gave them all they could handle. So that pairing wins and playoffs is something that the Knicks are just trying to get into. They're not even thinking semifinals, conference finals. They're just trying to get in, and they and Rose gives them that pedigree with tips. And Rose, a guy who knows his role now as a veteran who's going to try to mentor the younger players. He likes coming off the bench, limit his minutes to try to keep him fresh and healthy. Look, I don't see a negative in this acquisition. I'm excited to watch him. Hopefully he can get underway tonight. As of right now, as we're recording this podcast, I think we're waiting on the results of the Dennis Smith Jr. physical, which was the holdup for Rose potentially not being in the lineup tonight. But uh, nonetheless, soon enough, we'll see him. The Knicks taking on the Heat later on in Miami. Then we have Washington coming up on Friday in Washington. And then the Knicks return home to take on the Rockets on Saturday and then the Hawks on Monday night. JYD, we mentioned it. They're 11-14, and ninth in the Eastern Conference, coming off of you know, a solid past week. They beat the Bulls since we've last spoke. They beat the Blazers on Saturday and then losing a tough one to Miami. I'll tell you, that Blazers game, the one thing that stuck out to me was Dame Lillard. That guy is – I mean, he is – if I could pick one – I love him. I love – the guy is unbelievable. He's clutch. He's got – I mean, 
He's got Dame Dollar comes yeah. in the gym hot. Oh my, my goodness, fire. him and Trent Jr. They, they could not be stopped. But the Knicks get a uh, a nice win there. And I thought against Miami, the Knicks shot way too many threes. It's just not their strength. They're relying on the three ball. I know Bullock was hot, but still too many threes. They got to stick to their game. And right now they don't have enough shooters from the outside, so they need to continue to attack the rim and play defense. And that's hard to do, I guess, JYD. You could speak better to this than I can. On back-to-back nights, that defensive effort on the second of a back-to-back got to be more difficult, correct? Absolutely, man. The legs feel like jello. <laughs> legs like jello, <laughs> strawberry, <laughs> cherry. At the end of the day, those are the those are the games that are going to be tough for teams that are relying on that penetration and and relying on getting to the cup. And the jump shots are definitely a lot easier, especially on back to backs, and they kind of fall into that mold and weren't able to shoot their way out of that one. You know what's a great thing though? Just looking at the schedule, and I mentioned the games coming up. They're all winnable games. I mean, the Knicks. You know, they're now all of a sudden it's not like oh they need to just play the Pistons or the Wizards to get a W on their schedule. Now you look at it, they could beat Miami. They could have beaten them the other night. Matter of fact, I would expect them to go out there and they should win this game. You want to be a playoff team? You can't lose two straight to the same team and go out there and beat Washington on Friday night. Houston is not a very good team as it stands right now in the Western Conference. These are all, even the Hawks, these are all winnable games for the Knicks. Now, how many will they win? Can they go on another winning streak? Who knows? But I think it speaks volumes to where we're at now with this group through, what, 25, 35 games where – is it 25 or 35? What did I say? 25 games here with the Knicks where you can say that they're competitive night in, night out, and you could expect them to win these games. Well, I can say plus three wins after the Derrick Rose trade could get Jake and Alex sizzling. <laughs> I'm bringing it back right now. Due to the trade, it could be a sizzler appearance. We're 19 you, wins away. I think it's a lot. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a lot, guys, but I think it's they might get over 30 at this well, point. What's, what's the math, Producer Jake? If the Knicks have 11 right now through 25 games, well, what do we got, a 72-game season? 72. So if if my, my mom is a math teacher, so if I wasn't able to do this in my head, she would kill me and my $50,000 year Hofstra education. So they have 50. <laughs> they have, uh, oh, my God, this is a tough math, actually. 47 games left. They've played 25. So they're 11 and 14 right now. So they would essentially have to go 19 and uh, 28 to get to 30. And that's very attainable. 19 and 28 gets us to 30 through, and they would finish 30 and 42, correct? 30 and 42. And that would yeah. be terrible. How they're playing now, they should win 35. Yeah, you're right. It should be. I mean, it's not, nothing's a lock, but that should, especially now you're adding to D Rose. I don't think they're going to take. And remember, we talked about that before the year where the whole thought process was going to be about trading Julius Randle. Now he's an all-star. They're not trading him. Now you're thinking about locking him up. So everything has changed since our debut podcast where we're talking about the Knicks getting those 30 wins. That should be in the bag here, those 30 wins. Happy Valentine's Day. A kiss from a rose. Let's go. Get your loved ones some flowers. Let's do it. Roses for every Nick fan. Coming up on the Big Apple Buckets podcast, we'll talk to radio play-by-play man for the Knicks, Ed Cohen. We'll also get the latest on the Derrick Rose trade and what it means for the rest of that lineup here, how the Knicks are going to work Rose in. We'll get the updates from Mark Berman. Stick with us. 
Joining us now is the Knicks radio play-by-play voice on ESPN Radio, New York, 98.7 FM, Ed Cohen. You could follow Ed on Twitter, at Ed Cohen Sports. You can hear him on the call tonight as the Knicks take on the Heat in Miami at 7.30. Now, before we get into the Knicks talk, I don't know if you guys know this, JYD, and, and look, Ed and I go way back. I don't even remember what year it was, Ed, that you interned at WFAN, <laughs> but we're going back many years. I would guess around, what, 15, something like that years ago where you were an intern while I was working, you know, I first started out working at WFAN Radio in New York. Sal, man, it's great to be back with you. Yeah, it was the summer of 2004, from what I remember. The Mets had that great run, the summer of Victor Zambrano and Chris Benson and Art Howe. It was fun times down there in the basement. And I could tell you, Jerome, he only made me get him coffee a couple of times that whole summer. (laughs) So I I still love Sal. That is not true. Two reasons. One, I don't drink coffee. And number two, I would never send anybody to do that. But we were probably, I'll tell you, Ed, we were probably cutting up tape from JYD when he was playing with the Knicks uh, back in those days. Anyway, it's great to see you live out your dreams here and become the voice of the Knicks as you've been doing for four years. So love listening to you. And it's a pleasure to to have you on with us this afternoon. Hey, hey, Ed, talk about the grind, man. I mean, what... What brought you not only four years with the Knicks, but some of this transition that's taken place during, you know, the pandemic, like the changes that have been made from the from the life you lived prior to the pandemic? Oh, no question, Jerome. It's been quite a 10 months, uh, whatever it is right now, 11 months for all of us in so many different ways. I think from an NBA perspective, you think of where we were in February of 2020 and business as usual. I mean, I think at this point, we're probably all getting ready for the all-star break, normal times. And then March comes and our world changes. And you think about in that time, the league finishing last year in the bubble, Miami and the next play tonight, making that run to the finals, 70 day off season. And then boom, we're all back from a broadcasting standpoint. Now it's it's just a thrill to be back in the garden, and we call home games. Brendan Brown and I and our entire crew on ESPN Radio, we're on site, and we're so lucky to be so. Uh, road games, for the most part, most announcers are back home, whether it be at their home arenas or in studios. And it's unique and different calling a game off of a monitor, but you make the best of these times. you know. I think at a personal level, and I know Sal – can speak to this he's going through it right now you know my wife gave birth to our son benjamin april of 2020 so he's he just hit 10 months today so it's been just an amazing experience with him and he's he's with the whole pandemic and it's given us a lot of time to to spend just countless hours with him so there are there are some blessings to take out of all of this given how hard it's been for so many in this time Congratulations on that, of course, Ed. And there are some positives, and we try to get through, you know, each day with those positives because it's been rough on everybody here for, like you mentioned, almost a year now. You know, the thing that really stinks about having to do the games without a crowd or do the games from, uh, you know, a studio as opposed to the arena, the road games, you're not traveling, is that this team, Ed, for the first time since you've been doing it really here in four years, they, I mean, they're fun to watch. They play hard. You know, for a fact, I was thinking about this on Sunday. 
thinking how impactful the crowd would have been and how helpful it would have been to give them a boost of energy that they clearly needed on the second day of a back-to-back tight game with Miami down the stretch. Man, you got to really miss. I know the players miss the fans. I know we miss watching it, but from a broadcaster's perspective, you got to miss doing games with a lively arena with the crowd going nuts, especially for this team that plays so hard night in, night out. Sal, you, you hit it on the head, and there's no question. I think among everything that's missed, whether it's this season in the NBA, in our world right now, but from a, a Knicks perspective and certainly an NBA perspective, the fans are, are sorely missed. And I think of some of the wins early in the year against the Bucks, against the Jazz at home, uh, the way they hung in there against the Clippers a couple of Sundays ago. The roof would have been blown off the place. I mean, the fans, in watching what Emmanuel quickly has done, the spirit he's brought, the boost he's given this team in his rookie season, the place would be going crazy. And, and certainly, it's something that's sorely missed. I think every team in the NBA could probably look and say, my goodness, if we could have had our diehard fans in the building to watch this through two months or that. Everybody has a story, but for the Knicks in New York, the greatest fans, in my opinion, in the NBA, uh, maybe in sports, yeah, there's no doubt. Every time there's a great moment that we've called or seen this year, it's the first thing you think of, man, if if we could have had 19,000 plus in the building, just imagine how it would sound and how hard it would be for opposing teams to play at the Garden. And speaking about playing at the Garden, you know, there was just a big trade, not not big in the sense of blockbuster, but just big in the sense of bringing back a former Nick in Derrick Rose and obviously saying goodbye to Dennis Smith Jr. Tell, tell me your feelings about that and what he what do you think he's going to bring back to the Garden with his re-emergence and, and partnership with Tips? No doubt. It, it's a special one, Jerome. I mean, those guys perfect setting, perfect timing when they uh, came across each other and started that partnership in 2010 in Chicago. But I think the big thing for Derrick Rose now is he wanted to come back. And obviously, it wasn't his choice knowing that he was with the Pistons and, you know, it wasn't the right fit over time because of the direction they're going with their young players. But to hear him yesterday say, hey, he's so thrilled to be back in New York, back with Tibbs, uh, that feeling of unfinished business from his one season with the Knicks. That's awesome to hear. And I think it's also a reflection of where this team is right now. Number one, they've won 11 games through 25 games. And that has exceeded expectations. But you also look at how this roster has been built. There's a lot of flexibility with cap space. You take back Derrick Rose, it impacts you from a numbers perspective, but there's still room to maneuver going forward. The Knicks have added so much draft capital in recent years and they were able to throw in a second round pick into that deal to bring back Derrick Rose and there's still flexibility and the fact that somebody who's won an MVP award in this league said hey this is a great fit I'm so happy to be back I think over time you're going to see other stars in this league take notice to those kinds of sentiments they want to be part of this too and I think you see all of those things in this trade and look he still has some game left he's 32 and he was seventh in the sixth man voting last year and the hope is that he can slide right in to a team right now that has has figured it out and has been in far more games than they've been out of that's for sure and how about Ed, the i mean i know everybody wants to get crazy and say why why the Knicks trading for an older guy who's going to come in and potentially take minutes away from Emmanuel quickly all the nick fans want to see quickly start 
I personally, I know JYD and I have t- discussed this the last couple of weeks here on the podcast. I personally like the way that they're doing it right now with Peyton starting and quickly coming off the bench, providing that spark, getting a- enough minutes and being able to score. But how do you see Rose fitting in here? Is it going to be Rivers? Who's the odd man out? Are they going to try to pair Rose with quickly with Barrett? What are we looking at here in your opinion for Derek Rose, how he's going to fit when he joins the Knicks officially? Sounds me. It's a million dollar question. And I think you kind of summed up a lot of different scenarios. And to be honest, I think we could see uh, parts of all of them. Uh, I think you could see different combinations. I think you're primarily going to see Derek Rose off the bench, because if you look at the last three years, he's only started 23 games and he's really latched on to being that guy who comes in and gives his teams, whether it's Minnesota you know, when he got there with Tibbs or, you know, the last season plus with Detroit, giving his teams a jolt with his scoring. He's still got it. He's still unpredictable, but he can score in very quick ways. And I think he will have a big role off the bench to what degree it's with quickly for R.J. Barrett or Austin Rivers when he comes in. You know, that's the big question. But I will caution, you know, Emmanuel quickly is a guy, the Knicks, drafted 25th overall, when a lot of people felt he would be slotted much further down, maybe in the 30s and 40s, that range of the second round. And there was a comfort level in knowing who he really was with Kenny Payne, his experience at Kentucky, now being on the Knicks staff. And then you see what he's done. The Knicks are so high on quickly, and he's delivered in every way. And I don't think they would make this deal if it would really hurt somebody they've invested a lot of time and value into so I think that's that's what I would caution is you know Tom Thibodeau's made it work throughout this year guys coming back from injury different rotations and I'm confident that that's going to play here too once Derek Rose starts to settle in comes back and sees his first couple of games with the Knicks Hey, Ed, a few years ago, it's Jake here. You called your first game with Walt Clyde Frazier on MSG Network. What was that experience just standing next to him and, you know, one of his flashy suits? You know, he's always known for his fashion. And also, second part of the question is, do you have a favorite Clyde saying, styling and profiling, whatever, swishing and dishing? Ooh, Jake, you really put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with uh, your first question first. And, and I, I remember vividly, actually, it was my first year with the Knicks. So this was January of 2018, and we were finishing up a West Coast trip in Phoenix on a back-to-back. And it was going to be my first opportunity to fill in for Mike Green and Kenny Albert on the TV broadcast. And you go through different waves of firsts in the NBA. You know, first game, first road trip, first big moment at the Garden. And this was the first opportunity to, to join the great crew with MSG Network. And I remember sitting on the right side of the bus as we were about to head to the arena, and Clyde was on the left, and he had a seat open. He said, Ed, come here. And I sat with him. He said, look, man, you just do your thing. I'll react off of you. And I was nervous, and that made me a little less nervous. But it was, it was as if the veteran point guard was pulling you aside and said, hey, don't worry about it. Just do your thing. And that meant – that meant so much. In terms of Clyde's rhymes, you know, he's still he's still looking for new ones. I mean, he'll come in some nights and say, hey, I got a good one I'm going to use here tonight. I'd say I love when he, he's able to rhyme off maestro. You know, he'll sometimes do that, and he'll say, there's the maestro. I forget what the second word is, but 
I always smile when he when he goes that direction. But he's you know arguably the greatest Nick of all time, and his presence fifty years after they won their first championship, it's 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 such a marvel to see the role he still plays for the franchise and for the fans. You know what I think's crazy, Ed. And look, you're living a dream come true, right? And I always grew up watching Marv and watching those 90s Knicks. And I was always like, oh, yeah, one day I want to be the playboys of the Knicks. Then I figured out, hey, this is way too much work. I'd rather just go on the radio uh, and and talk about the sports as opposed to putting in the work. But you actually made that a reality. Do you know how hard that is to become a voice of one of the NBA teams, especially New York, and we're talking about the Knicks, and you're working with Walt Clyde Frazier or Brown or whatever, doing games at the Garden for the Knicks. I mean, dude, that is that is incredible. And it's, I mean, as somebody who, again, we worked together at the fan many, many years ago to see you get that job. What is it like for you to actually be living that dream? Do you ever just think to yourself, like, damn, how the hell did I do this? I'm the voice of the New York <laughs> Knicks. Like, that's crazy. No, Sal, I really appreciate you saying that, and, and it means so much coming from you. It's it's really humbling. I mean, every day covering the Knicks and covering an NBA franchise is special. And you certainly think back to the journey and the people who helped along the way, friends, family, mentors. For me, you know, Bruce Beck is an example of somebody who I met in high school and completely shaped how I approached the business and the craft. And it's it's fun to look back, but it's also fun to look forward in the sense that you never have this job figured out. You're learning something every day. Every night on the air, I learned something new from Brendan Brown. There's always a new way or a different way to go about the job. So I, I'd like to believe, hey, it's year four. I hope to do this for for as long as they'll have me. And I hope that say we're having this conversation 20 years from now, I'm still learning something new about the team, the game, the way to approach it on the air. Because as as you know, Sal and Jerome, you lived it too. There's nothing like being on this ride. And it's uh, you're with you're with the best people doing it in the world. And every night is, is really special. Amen. Because listen, Ed, my, my New York Knicks stock went up. You know, they're worth over $5 billion. So we're, you know, we're doing good, man, with you in the seat, with you in the seat. But having said that, give me this. Give me in the last four years, what was your top moment at the garden calling the games? Take us, take us through that play. Wow. You know what? And there have been some really good ones. And I think a lot of people forget the magic that we saw in Porzingis' last year before we went down with the injury. I mean, there were some great games in that. November, December stretch, and they began the year 17 and 14. People forget that. The place was electric. But I'll I'll give you one, Jerome, and that's March 17th. It was my second year, so it was St. Patrick's Day against LeBron and the Lakers. And Knicks had been struggling. It was a tough year, a lot of young guys. And all of a sudden, you have LeBron center stage at MSG, and the game's coming down to the wire, and it's the king with the ball against Mario Hazonia guarding him one-on-one and boom, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know who's taking that shot. And here's this guy who scuffled for a lot of the year. Now what does he do? He stays with him the entire possession. They don't switch. He blocks him at the rim with two seconds to go and they win the game. And you know what? That was a 17-win season, but you never forget those types of moments. 
So that's one for me that, that's very vivid. And the hope is we have this conversation even a year from now. <laughs> it's, it's a really tough choice because the Knicks have been in so many games. They've won a lot of them. And, and hopefully we're talking a year from now, knock on wood, that the fans are back in the building because as great as the Knicks have played at times this year, the magic is when the garden has that sound. And hopefully we're, we're closer to that point much sooner than later. And I'm hoping that moment's coming this spring. I mean, inject me, with the, <laughs> inject me with the damn vaccine and get me to the garden, and I'll pay sixteen dollars for a Bud Light. It's at this point. And so, uh, last one for you. You've had such an interesting journey to get here. You've also called NBA Live the video game as well with EA Sports. But you know, this must be easy for you when you're ca- calling the Continental Hockey League, the Chinese Basketball <laughs> Association, New York Cosmos so- Soccer, the Yomari Giants the Paralympic Games, I mean, what's been the toughest sport that you've had to adjust to to call out of all these sports you've called? See, Jake, you're starting to make me tired because now I hearken back to some of those international events. I'm sure Sal can read you in on what it's like when you're, when you're working and beginning a show in, in the early morning hours. But for me, it, it's funny. There were, there were so many stops, but so many great people I had the chance to work with over the years and still do to this day. But you did mention the Yomiuri Giants. There was a network called One World Sports up in Stamford, Connecticut, a number of years ago. And they had Russian hockey, Chinese basketball, and Japanese baseball. And we would cover the games. If it was a Friday and it's a night game in Tokyo, the game starts at 5 a.m. East Coast time. And if it was a day game after a night game there, first pitch, you know, Friday into Saturday morning, was at 1 a.m., and I never figured out how in the world to structure my body to go from 5 a.m. to 1 a.m. It's hard enough for a a night game into a day game on the East Coast. That was really tricky. So that, I would say, was a a challenge for my sleep. I didn't drink coffee then. If we bring this back (laughs) to the start of our conversation with Sal, I do now, and, and I blame those early morning baseball games as the reason why. If you need any coffee, I'll go get it for yeah, you. Sal's Ed, getting I mean, your coffee. Yeah, it's you Sal's go. turn to get your coffee. I'm telling you, Ed was one of the good guys. And at the, you know, back in the day at the fan, being an intern was a big thing. A lot of the people who have gone on to have successful careers came from being an intern and working their way up at fan. And I was maybe a couple years ahead of Ed. And I remember he was always, you were always a good intern and a nice kid. And I, I was very happy to see you continue to build your career and, you know, running into you doing games at Manhattan when I was doing a little bit for Columbia or, and then eventually seeing you do the Knicks. And it's a pleasure to get to talk to you now, years later, as you are the voice of the New York Knicks on the radio. You can check them out tonight, Knicks and the Heat, ESPN Radio, New York, 98.7 FM. You could follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Cohen Sports. And again, listen to him throughout the course of the year, and you can see him filling in occasionally on TV as well. Ed, a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, Best of luck to you, the baby. Good luck with the baby. And, of course, with the rest of the season here with the Knicks. Ed, dog count, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sal, Jake, the junkyard dog. Uh, It's been a pleasure, guys. Really appreciate having me on. Joining us now is friend of the program, a longtime Knicks beat writer for the New York Post, Mark Berman. Follow Mark on Twitter at NYPost underscore Berman and read his stories in the newspaper or at NYPost.com. 
Mark, big news. The Knicks make a trade. They bring back Derrick Rose to the Garden. He seems excited about it. The Knicks seem happy about it. Fans, I don't know. They're skeptical and hopeful that Rose is not going to take away too many minutes from Emmanuel quickly. First, your thoughts on the acquisition and what it means for the Knicks acquiring Derrick Rose. Well, it just shows how much power Tom Thibodeau has in this organization. Derrick Rose, one of his all-time favorite players, coached him, obviously, in Chicago and Minnesota. He pushed hard for the deal, just like he pushed hard to get Taj Gibson. He loves having his guys in the locker room to preach the gospel. And he's got Derrick. And yeah, fans are a little concerned about Emmanuel quickly. I wrote a column in the post, in Tuesday's post, I'm concerned about the chemistry with Randall, the chemistry with Barrett. I covered Derek for a season in 2016-17. He's a little bit of a fussy player. It takes time for him maybe to adjust to new teammates. I think the Knicks might go through a little bit of an adjustment period. Yeah, there's always going to be some adjustments in terms of, you know, when you bring in those type of players. Former MVPs obviously already had experience in the New York base plan for the Knicks talk a little bit about like what you've noticed from the the, the emergence of quickly and how that's going to correlate with a guy like Derek. Listen, we just got off a Zoom call with Emmanuel and he he didn't seem so electric about the trade, but he said all the right things. He said, I can't wait to learn from him. They did have dinner last night in the team hotel. Derek sat down with Obi and Emmanuel told them, here's my cell phone, hit me up whenever you uh, can. So Derek knows that he's here to also help the young guys off the court, not just help the Knicks win. He knows that's part of the, the, the package. And Emmanuel has been terrific. I hope this doesn't hurt his confidence. I hope Emmanuel has a good chemistry with Derek on the court. They did talk. Emmanuel did just tell us that he feels they're they're both very similar, and they can both play off the ball and on the ball. So he feels they can play together in the same backcourt. You know, Mark, I don't get the concern from Nick fans or media members who think that this is going to hurt or take away from Emmanuel quickly. I mean, the Knicks aren't stupid. It's one thing to not make quickly the starter right away, right? They want him to develop nicely here. He's excelled coming off the bench. Ease him into that starting role one day down the road. But the Knicks aren't dumb. You think they're going to stunt the growth of Emmanuel quickly? A guy who's been their, arguably their best player behind Julius Randle this year. They're not going to do that. I would think that Rose is going to be more of a guy who maybe takes some of Rivers' minutes away or just figure out a way to get him on the floor that can help with additional scoring later in these games. Yeah, listen, Austin Rivers is the one who's going to be most affected. But I could see Emmanuel on a shorter leash if he's not having a very good game. You know, Thibodeau in the past would continue with him. But now he's got Derek and he's got Alfred. And maybe, you know, maybe some nights he will be affected. But so what? He's a rookie. He was the 25th pick in the draft. You also don't want him to hit the rookie wall. So you don't want to overplay him. But I do think that social media has overreacted to this. If Derek can help them down the stretch in close games and be another scoring option, it's great. I mean, the Knicks are the worst team in the NBA in scoring points. It's right there in the stats. So, and plus Derek plays his best for Thibodeau. I got one more for you here with, as far as the chemistry issues go, and you're talking about how it could impact some of the younger players or the Knicks chemistry overall. 
How about the feel, Mark, that this is clearly Julius Randle's team, right? He's developed into an all-star. He's the alpha male. It, he's the leader out there. But now you bring in a guy that is not clearly at, you know, in the prime of his career. This is not MVP Derrick Rose that you're getting at the age of 22, but he's a big personality. And, and Derrick Rose commands a lot of attention, and he is an alpha male as well, a veteran, a leader himself, as soft-spoken as he may be. Do you think maybe it has an impact on Randall as far as Randall being the dominant guy on this team? Exactly. I, I agree with you with that. I think it's more a concern with will Julius still be this monster player that he has been through the first 25 games. He has the ball a lot. He's almost like their point guard. I mean, he's point forward essentially, and he brings the ball up court a lot. He starts the offense. And that's why I'm concerned about Derek is a little fussy and he likes the ball too. So it's a great point. I think fans are barking up the wrong tree with being so concerned with Emmanuel. Uh, I want to see Julius and Derek form a great tandem and we don't know yet. It's always going to be interesting when you, when you put those alphas all in the same room and see how it plays out. But the one thing I can say is it's never a problem when it comes down to trying to win games and you got multiple alphas to go to. So it's the yin and the yang, Burb. Exactly. You got got one hand, it's like all the chemistry. The other hand, you're saying to yourself, hey, man, hey, give him the ball now. Let him go. It's just that when I covered Derek, I remember there were some moments where he'd be, you know, complaining a little about some things, especially Miss Training Camp for that civil trial, and he came back, and it took him a while for him to really get adjusted to his teammates, and now he's going to have maybe one practice before he gets on the court with the team. It's going to be, I think the team is going to have a little trouble for a few games at least. Mark, before we let you go, what does this mean for Alfred Payton? Do you think the Knicks end up trading Alfred Payton? Is anyone going to want him? Can they get a second-round pick for him? Yeah, well, I think they could definitely get a second-round pick. Listen, I'm told that there's some interest that they – last season they had no calls about Alfred. This season uh, they have had a few calls uh, about Alfred. And Tom Thibodeau keeps talking up his defense. I think Alfred's played better. Listen, the Knicks were 4-18 and last season, mostly because Alfred was hurt. So they were better when he played. I think there's some trade value there, maybe a second-round pick for sure. But Tom Thibodeau wants to win. So if he thinks Alfred is going to help them win, I think he's going to stick with them. Maybe they trade Alfred for a small forward because I think they need a three and maybe another power forward, although I think Obi is starting to get better. So I do think that they will entertain offers for Alfred if this doesn't work out great. I may be the only one, but I kind of like Alfred Payton. I I mean, he could make some more layups around the room. I think he's played hard here. He's done a good job. One more, Mark. You wrote about it the other day after the Miami loss. They benched R.J. Barrett there. Now, I know it's back-to-back, and I know they need Barrett to score more. Do you – they benched Barrett because of a miscue defensively, or was it more to get some rest and maybe Thibodeau wasn't just feeling the energy from Barrett that day? But that's a big story. I mean, if you they want to win, they could have used him in a tight game down the stretch, his scoring. I know he had an off day, but if Barrett doesn't get back in the game after the third quarter there, that's a little bit of an issue. Yeah, it was actually midway through the third quarter when he took him out. So Thibodeau wasn't feeling the energy, as you said. Uh, he was going with Burks, and Reggie Bullock was having a good game. But I almost thought... It was a weird, weirdly coached game by Thibodeau. I mean, this is the first time I've ever seen Barrett really benched. And I almost thought he was trying to make a statement. 
I don't think he wanted to go into the Derrick Rose trade on a three-game winning streak. I, I think he wanted to see what the other guys had to bring down the stretch and to show, hey, we could use Derrick. We don't have enough depth scoring-wise in close games. And Barrett has not been a good shooter in the fourth quarter, uh, shooting 39% only. So uh, it was odd, and I don't expect it much. But with Derrick Rose here, and they want to close with Derrick Rose on many nights. So who knows if RJ is always going to be the closer. Yeah, and that's why it's going to help out to have another option with a veteran guy like Derrick Rose that can attack the rim, be a scorer late in the game if Barrett is having an off night or, you know, back-to-back need some more energy. All right, Mark, we appreciate the few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Oh, guys, thanks very much. does it for us for episode 32 the herb williams edition of big apple buckets thanks to jake brown and alex camarada for producing the show subscribe to big apple buckets on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcast give us a five-star rating and write us a nice review please we appreciate it you can do that on apple for jyd jerome williams i'm sal Licata. we'll chat with you guys next tuesday thanks for tuning in and as always stay safe